What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the career of actress Claire Danes in the movie Promising Young Woman. But first, let's talk about the career of actress Claire Danes. Danes first became widely known for playing an angsty teen named Angela on the short-lived ABC drama My So-Called Life, which also starred future Academy Award winner Jared Leto. For her performance on that show, Danes won a Golden Globe and was nominated for an Emmy. The show is kind of, I would say, a predecessor for the Linda Cardellini show Freaks and Geeks that was on air five years later. Both shows are about teenage girls whose views on life are changing during high school It's also crazy to think that both of these shows produced some of the biggest movie stars of that era. On My So-Called Life, you had Danes and Leto, and then on Freaks and Geeks, you had Seth Rogen, James Franco, and Jason Segel. I think we look back at these type of shows and go, wow, they were way ahead of their time with the topics that they were covering. But when I look back at these shows, I go, no, you people have it wrong. It's not about the topics. Yes, My My So-Called Life has some very different episodes than the shows of that era. But the thing that's unique and special about the show is Claire Danes. It's this idea that the show had no idea they had a future movie star as its lead. She was just making the show better. At some point, you have to look at these people and go, the reason Freaks and Geeks was special was because of Seth Rogen, was because of James Franco, and was because of Jason Segel. The fact that future movie stars were on this random television show. That's what made it unique. Yes, some of the topics were way ahead of the time, but why people keep going back to them is because of Rogan, and with My So-Called Life, it's because of Claire Danes and Jared Leto. That's what's unique about the show. Yes, I do think the show was ahead of its time, but why it stands the test of time is because of Claire Danes. Then Danes began her movie career in a massive way, starring in a string of widely successful films that include Little Women with Winona Ryder, Susan Sarandon, and Kirsten Dunst, Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio, Paul Rudd, directed by Baz Luhrmann, Home for the Holidays with Holly Hunter and Robert Downey Jr., directed by Joni Foster, and The Rainmaker with Matt Damon, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. I think the biggest from that list is Romeo and Juliet, directed by Baz Luhrmann. That film has become so big, they now play that at school. I didn't see Romeo and Juliet on a random weekend. I saw it in like 2008 during a class. That's how massive that movie became. It's so stylized, it's so fun to watch, and Claire Danes is equally as good, if not better, than her famous co-star, Leonardo DiCaprio. I also love Danes and Little Women. I think she gives the second best performance of that film, along with Winona Ryder, and I also loved her in The Rainmaker with Matt Damon. She was working with the best talent at the time and was being just as good, if not better, than all of them. I also think it's worthy to note that Claire Danes turned down Titanic, where she would have reteamed with her Romeo and Juliet co-star Leonardo DiCaprio. This is fascinating decision made by Danes because she thought that she was going to do the exact same kind of movie that 
that Romeo and Juliet was, and she also thought that the movie would make her uncomfortably famous, like the paparazzi would start chasing her around, and that's exactly what ended up happening with Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio. That movie became so worldwide famous that they became paparazzi fodder, and that's exactly what Claire Danes was trying to avoid. Danes has starred in all kinds of films, like Igby Goes Down with Kieran Culkin and Ryan Philippi, The Hours with Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman, and Julianne Moore, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Shop Girl with Steve Martin and Jason Schwartzman, and The Family Stone with Diane Keaton, Sarah Jessica Barker, Luke Wilson, and Dermot Merloni. I would say my favorite from that list of films is Igby Goes Down. I think Kieran Culkin is incredible in this film. It's my all-time favorite Kieran Culkin performance, but also Claire Danes is magnificent in this movie. It's a different type of Claire Danes. She's funny in this movie. She's the best friend in this film. Like She's not on screen that often in this film, but it's probably the best supporting performance Claire Danes has given on screen. I would say the best lead performance in a film given by Danes is in the film Temple Grandin. This is an HBO TV movie. I recently watched this movie. I saw that she won an Emmy for it, and I was like, what's the big deal? But then I saw the movie, and I was blown away. I think Temple Grandin is one of the best television films of all time, and that sounds contradicting, but it's not at all. I absolutely love this film. It was insane. It was the most I've seen Claire Danes in a movie, and she was phenomenal. It's the one movie where I think the movie is Claire Danes. Like, there is no movie without Claire Danes in it. Like, you could say other people could have been Juliet in Romeo and Juliet. You could see somebody else playing that character in Igby Goes Down. No, this is the one movie I think Claire Danes was 100% irreplaceable. Like, she was that good in this film. Her scenes with David Strathairn were incredible. Catherine O'Hare is in this movie. If you have not seen Temple Grandin, do yourself a favor and watch it. It's on HBO Max. It's incredible. Temple Grandin is this way ahead of her time person who happens to be dealing with autism, but is one of the smartest people probably ever to walk planet Earth. She's just misunderstood because of her autism. It's an incredible movie. More people need to know the story of Temple Grandin, and more people need to see this amazing performance given by Claire Danes. After all that success in movies, I think Claire Danes is most known for playing Carrie Matheson on the hit Showtime series Homeland, which I think is a top two show that Showtime has produced. My favorite two Showtime shows are Shameless and Homeland. And Homeland is incredible, and Danes was brilliant in it. She won three Emmy Awards in eight seasons. Nobody else could have played this character. This is the number one reason why I only like to watch shows that star movie stars. Because you can just see, it doesn't matter that it's TV, it only matters that it's Claire Danes. Like Nobody else could have played that character. You couldn't have just gotten a regular not star movie star to be that person. I was 100% invested in the character arc of Carrie Matheson. That's why movie stars are gravitating towards television because they can still have their movie star persona and bring it to TV. She's never been better. It's the absolute best performance of her career and it doesn't matter that it wasn't on a big screen. It's why more and more people are doing it. And can we be honest for a minute? I feel like more people have seen Claire Danes on Homeland than have seen her films combined. More people have seen 
seen the eight seasons of Homeland. It is such a bingeable show. It's so exciting. She's so good when she's having mental breakdowns on screen. I also think it's just fascinating to note that Claire Danes' best two roles, in my opinion, are when she is playing characters who are misunderstood geniuses. With Temple Grandin, it was because of her autism, and with Carrie Matheson, it's because of her bipolar disorder. Both characters blew by what they were labeled by society. I mean, Temple Grandin went on to become super successful. Carrie Matheson is one of the best CIA agents in Oma. Yes, Temple Grandin was a real person, and Carrie Matheson is fiction, but I still think it's very fascinating that these are the types of characters that Claire Danes gravitates to, and she's also incredible at playing that type of person. Danes's next project will be the Apple TV Plus miniseries, The Essex Serpent, where she will co-star with Tom Middleston. Give me a show with Claire Danes and Tom Hiddleston immediately. Two of my favorite actors of all time working together. Yes, Claire Danes, Tom Hiddleston, two of the most underrated actors working. Yes, I want to see it on screen right now. Here's a list of Claire Danes performances you need to see and able to admire her work. My so-called life, Little Women, Home for the Holidays, Romeo and Juliet, The Rainmaker, Igby Goes Down, The Hours, Shop Girl, Temple Grandin, and Homeland. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie Promising Young Woman. Here's a quick synopsis. Cassie Thomas was on the path to having it all, a successful career in the medical field until she lost her best friend Nina. Now she works at a coffee shop during the day, and at night she tries to avenge the loss of Nina. This has been one of the most talked about films I had waited for ever to see it and I finally got the chance. I bought the DVD and I saw this movie and it is one of the best films of 2020 and it deserves all the award recognitions that it is getting in this moment in time. It is one of the best movies of 2020 and I'll get into the reasons why. The number one reason is the performance of Carrie Mulligan. She gives one of the best performances of her career as Cassie. She's great. She walks the line between drama and comedy perfectly and gets her first Oscar nomination since being nominated for her performance in an education. I really want to live in a world where Mulligan has an Oscar and while I think this is a top three performance of her career, I have to mention that the best performance of Carrie Mulligan's career is in the Paul Dano film Wildlife and it is insane that she was not even Oscar nominated for that performance. So it's kind of crazy to watch her in this movie and think she's great but then also in the back of your mind you're like why is this the movie that's getting her all the critical attention she should have gotten two years ago for wildlife it makes absolutely no sense I just feel like it's a weird thing with Carrie Mulligan like some people don't understand how good of an actress she is I did a podcast about her a while back go back and check that episode if you want to hear my thoughts on her entire career I think she's one of the best actresses actress is working today, and I hope she takes home the Oscar. Frances McDormand already has an Oscar. Viola Davis already has an Oscar. Vanessa Kirby can wait a while. Give the Oscar to Carrie Mulligan. We all want it to happen, and my biggest fear is that it won't happen. The other thing about it is, please give it to her for a performance like this. This is one of the best performances of her career. We all know that the Oscars 
tend to give their awards to actors later in their career for lesser films. Al Pacino for Son of a Woman. You cannot tell me that he didn't deserve it for The Godfather. You cannot tell me that Son of a Woman is even top five Al Pacino. Heat is better than Son of a Woman. I just don't want to live in a world where Carrie Mulligan gets an Oscar for a lesser film. So please give it to her for Promising Young Woman. You probably should have given it to her for An Education. We just don't want to get to this point where down the line she gets one for a really bad movie. So this is the year that they should give Carrie Mulligan the Oscar for Promising Young Woman. The other person in this film who gave an Oscar-worthy performance yet wasn't nominated was Bo Burnham, who continues to surprise after having a successful career in stand-up. He wrote and directed the breakout indie hit 8th Grade, and now in this film he delivers one of the best supporting performances of 2000. He's so funny in this movie and has great chemistry with Mulligan. He helps her be funny. Like, he is 100% everything that's funny with this movie. Every part I laughed at was everything that was coming out of Bo Burnham's mouth. He was spectacular in this movie. And it was just announced that he's going to next star as Larry Bird in this HBO series about the Celtics-Lakers rivalry from the 1980s created by... Adam McKay. I cannot wait to see Bo Burnham as Larry Bird. He continues to surprise. It's one of the most fascinating things about him. He got this career as like this YouTube comedian. Then he became a stand-up and did some of the funniest comedy songs of our generation. And now he's really becoming a director and an actor right before our eyes. Bo Burnham has one of the most exciting careers in Hollywood. And that's not something I would have thought I would have said five years ago. I don't think you could have ever predicted the path that Bo Burnham is on, but that's why his career is so exciting, because it's so unexpected. The rest of the cast is also stellar. You have Alfred Molina, who worked with Mulligan on An Education, Christopher Mintz-Plaza from Superbad, Adam Brody from Gilmore Girls in the OC, Jennifer Coolidge from Legally Blonde, Max Greenfield from New Girl, Laverne Cox from Orange is the New Black, Clancy Brown from The Shawshank Redemption, Molly Shannon from Saturday Night Live, and Chris Lowell from Glow. I mean, these are some of the top comedic actors working today. And they all played these significant bit parts. I mean, the only big parts in the movies are really only Carrie Mulligan and Bo Burnham. But this is why this movie kind of felt like a Coen Brother movie. Like, you watch the Coen Brothers films and you're like, all these supporting characters matter. The John Turturro characters matter. The Steve Buscemi's of the world matter in these films. And in this movie, the Alfred Molinas play a big part. I like movies like this. I don't like movies where there are characters in it that don't matter. And that's why Promising Young Woman is one of those movies I really enjoy. Because every bit part is meaningful in this movie. And that's why it feels like a Coen Brothers movie. I mean, how many Coen Brothers films have John Goodman just playing a bit part where he's incredible? I love when supporting actors play bit parts but get to do great work. And that's what happens in this movie. Max Greenfield is a guy we all know from New Girls. He's great in Promising Young Woman. He's only in about two scenes, but he's fantastic. He also does this in the big short. I really like it when Max Greenfield shows up and does bit parts in hit comedy.
comedies. Let's talk about the director of this film, Emerald Fennell. This is the debut feature for Emerald, who's had success in television on The Crown as an actress and as the showrunner for season two of Killing Eve. What's so impressive about this movie is that it has a distinct style and a clear vision, something that's rare for first-time filmmakers. I would compare it to when Wes Anderson came out with Bottle Rocket or Quentin Tarantino with Reservoir Dogs. Recent examples would be Jordan Peele with Get Out, Robert Eggers with The Witch, and Ari Aster with Hereditary. Fennell has deservingly been nominated for Best Director and Best Original Screenplay. I think she has a legitimate chance to win Best Original Screenplay. I get it that she's going up against screenwriting legend Aaron Sorkin, but he's already won some Oscars and some people are down on that film, even though I really enjoy Trial of the Chicago 7. I think Promising Young Woman is the better script, and I would want to see Emerald Fennell win the Oscar for that. I don't think she's going to win Best Director. I think that's going to go to Chloe Zhao, who deserves to win for Nomadland. But for Emerald Fennell and Promising Young Woman, this is one of those filmmaking debuts that makes you want to go out and see a director's sophomore feature. It's why a ton of people saw Pulp Fiction after Reservoir Dogs with Tarantino, and it's why a lot of people saw Rushmore after Bottle Rocket with Wes Anderson. When a new filmmaker comes out with a masterpiece, you are now invested in their careers, and you want to see their next film and the film after that. Emerald Fennell is going to have a promising career as a director. Another thing I love about this movie is that Promising Young Woman is so many genres at once. It's a thriller, it's a revenge film, it's a romantic comedy at times. I think a lot of people have vastly different opinions about what this movie is about and what it's saying about the character of Cassie. But one of the things I find most interesting about this movie is that this idea that there are people who have done despicable things in their past and they put that behind them and they act like they never happened. That's what happens with the Chris Lowell character in this movie. That's what happens with the Bo Burnham character in this movie. They go, I wasn't that same person back then. That's not who I am now. And the Cassie character is saying, no, you have to pay for what you did back then. It's kind of grappling with this idea of how do you move on from something so tragic and something so heinous that you did in your past. There's no moving on from that. At some point, you have to suffer for your past mistakes. That does define you in a way. Maybe it doesn't define you the entire way. I think with the Bo Burnham character in particular, it's really trying to challenge the audience to think about this idea. Well, I just watched this whole movie where this guy was a wonderful guy who's making me laugh all the time, and then you find something terrible about him in the middle of the film that changes your entire idea of who he is. So is he that guy from his past, or is he that guy who did that terrible thing? And the answer that the movie gets to is that he's somewhere in the middle. He is both of those things. He is that person that Cassie fell in love with, and he's that terrible dude who is part of that terrible thing. He is both things. That is who he is. No matter who he's trying to be now, he is a full person with a full past and a full future. You don't get to pick and choose what you are. And I think what this movie is getting at is that so many people right now have done terrible things that they haven't been paid accountable for. They have done some terrible things and they act like those things have never happened. That's the most interesting thing about this movie. I know a lot of people will say this movie had a wild ending. Yeah, I thought it was kind of insane too, but for the most part, I think this movie is terrific. 
I think the ideas of this movie are terrific. There are not enough movies like this one. And I, for one, would not be mad if Promising Young Woman won Best Picture at the Academy Awards. I liked it better than Nomadland. I think Nomadland is going to win Best Picture. I'm not going to be mad at that either. I would love if Judas and the Black Messiah won Best Picture. I just love it that in this year, there are at least free films. I would not be mad if they went home with the Oscar. And that's what I think this year has been kind of underrated film-wise. I feel like so many people right now are saying there were no good films in 2020. Well, you were wrong. And Promising Young Woman is at the top of the list. I definitely recommend you check out Promising Young Woman. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney. There'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. And this week, I put the spotlight on the career of actress Claire Danes and the movie Promising Young Woman. Next week, I'm putting the spotlight on the movies Concrete Cowboy starring Caleb McLaughlin and Idris Elba and News of the World starring Tom Hanks and Helena Zengel. So tune into that and please rate, review, and subscribe. Subscribe.